Peanut M&Ms are tougher than you think they are. The Dropback with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns-Peak, Joe Costanzo and Sam Wilson. Welcome back to another episode of the Drop That Podcast. I'm Sam Lewis and I'm joined as ever by Matt Burns Peak. Oh, dude. And Joe Costanzo. What is hip hop happening, my man? <laughs> I'm just going to blow right past that because I've got no idea how to respond to you when you're <laughs> like the that. the weirdest intro you've ever done. We've got a couple of pieces of bad news, unfortunately, to kick off the show. Unfortunately, without Stan Wilson, who is apparently snowed under in schoolwork. Ooh. I mean, I think he's up to nefarious activities before lockdown kicks in, but that's just... That's, that's just your personal opinion. agenda. <laughs> just full-on attack for, yeah. <laughs> for no warranted reason. He's having an illegal rave. bit more upsetting, other than Stan's nefarious activities, is that Baffer have announced that all football goes back to stage one with the starting of lockdown, which means only exercising individually, no team, no even rule of six, and... That's got to start for uni students whose season was already delayed. Yeah, I mean, it, it does really suck. We already know that the uni ball season works on a really tight schedule anyway. Um, and now this further pushback makes it seem like I don't think we're going to really realistically get any uni ball this, this season. I'd be very surprised if we did, um, which is terrible because, it you know, Bucks has shown in the last certainly the last sort of five ten years that it has been a big talent factory for helping develop players in the UK. Um, so to miss out on that in, in a you know, overall sense is is, is disappointing as well. Mm. And the fact is, we're, it's going to get to probably towards the end of January because they'll probably ease it back into full training again. But we hadn't hit the session where they they were getting rookies in pads yet. So we all know that you. However good a rookie looks, it's un- you're unsure if they're going to continue until they take that first hit. Mm. So it's going to be a struggle for coaching to make sure that they've got a team for next year once the people on the top end graduate, because you need that constant influx. It's always pretty tight at Uniball. It's all right. The government have assured us that it'll be over by spring, so I trust them. <laughs> and if you don't trust the government, then you can trust Joe Costanzo. Yeah. What happens if you don't trust either? That's a very valid valid option no it, it does it sucks it sucks in general for for everyone to be honest um but they don't really have a choice so yeah. you, you have to worry that i think that's basically cancelling the season because they may be able to get a few maybe rookie games or friendlies in to keep people engaged but it's such a tight turnaround anyway between the end of the uni season and the beginning of the adult bowl and there's a lot of overlapping players yeah. so you can't let one run into the other yeah i don't know you'll you'll get I don't know what's going to happen with um, refunds and everything like that. Maybe you know more about this, Slew, given that well, you actually... I don't want to say... Yeah, I know I haven't paid any Baffer subs for this season. There were talks about the deadline. The end of the subs was this Sunday past. So I don't know how Baffer are going to go about it. They still only refunded people half for last year. So whether they're going to do a half funds again by the time they're able to get going, we'll have to wait and see on that. Sad times. Yeah. 
Right. So moving on to the NFL, which is still going on. Otherwise, we would be back in that dead time last spring where we had absolutely nothing to talk about. But we'll kick it off with last week's drop back game of the week, which we were absolutely spot on about. Steelers Ravens turned into a little bit of a great game, unless you're a Joe Costanza and you supported the Ravens. It was a great game, either whether or not I cried at the end. It doesn't matter. Um, no, we, we were completely right about it, though. Uh, I, it's amazing to think that it's good for us, obviously, English viewers, you can start watching this game at six. But in terms of the American prime time, um, on the same network, the Eagles-Cowboys disaster was on prime time Mm. whereas the Steelers Ravens wasn't (laughs) yeah I think the NFL's reasoning for this was that they're I think there's something about the bargaining agreement they're not allowed to flex the games based on a ratership until later in the season they can do it to cut for COVID to make sure games happen but they can't do it for that for just to forget a better game on prime time and to be fair to them coming into the season we were pretty high on both the Eagles and the Cowboys. I know a couple of us had the Cowboys going to the Super Bowl, which looks a bit silly now, but they were, they were both competitors in the NFC and the NFC East does always have big viewership. Mm. True, true. Um, just going back onto the game though, it kind of went sort of how I predicted it, I would say, in terms of we lost the turnover battle. Uh, that was the the main takeaway for me. We It was the score doesn't tell us as much about how well both defenses played in that game mm. um, throughout the in, the entire match. Uh, obviously, we had the two interceptions from Lamar. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of talk once again about this. Oh, is Lamar taking a step back? Obviously, he had an MVP season last year. It's a step back so far this year. But <laughs> I mean, Also, isn't... to be honest, there could have been quite a few more turnovers. Mm. It's especially on the Ravens side. I think you you were almost lucky that it was only two. There was a, mm. there was the fumble that just rolled out of bounds and the one that he airmailed, I think, to Gus Edwards on the swing pass that if the defender hadn't just been trying to nail him, probably could have just picked that out. Oh, yeah. there was one where, he, where it sort of looped straight up in the air as he got hit. Got anywhere, yeah. Yeah, um, and it's that sidearm thing again. We're seeing we're seeing Lamar throw the sidearm. Stop doing it. Please stop doing it. it Do you think it's because he doesn't feel comfortable in the pocket or with his mechanics? I'm trying to think what it could be that's seen that. He had a lot of success with it last year when he's like throwing it, trying to throw sort of like around a defender um, who's in his face, which is the, if you're going to do it, that kind of makes sense. But Mm. just like doing it for the sake of it though, right? Like at times this season, it sort of feels like he's not Mm. doing it in the situation where it would be useful. He's just sort of doing it when he could throw it normally. Yeah, it looks pretty when you pull it off, but uh, it's a more, it's a less accurate pass at the end of the day. So uh, I don't want to see that become a norm, but I think it is kind of a a staple in a lot of young QBs um, nowadays Mm. to throw that sidearm ball, but I I don't like it. it. 
it's pissing me off. <laughs> I blame Pat Mahomes. Um, sticking on the Ravens before we do move over to the Steelers, Hollywood Brown came out after the game saying something about he's a soldier and you've got to throw it to the soldiers. I can't remember the exact quote, but <laughs> the point remains seems that he only got one target. Does he need to be seeing the ball more? And do the Ravens need someone that's a bit more of a bigger threat on the outside? They've got a lot of these small, speedy people. Mm. Yeah. Um, just from from my perspective, uh, I would say if you look back at the game, he was covered for for a lot. <laughs> like, um, I don't I don't so know quit what. Your like, mind, quit that's your easy answer to be fair. Yeah. He's, he, you. you can't throw it to you if you if you're you're being covered um, by one of the, the better secondaries in the league yeah. and you're clearly the, the number one threat in, well, in terms of wide, wide outs in that offence. So uh, Willie Sneed ended up having a surprisingly good game throughout. Um, but yeah, I mean, I get why you would feel some frustration uh, as a receiver and it's a common receiver thing to just sort of moan about the lack of targets. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just think it's a bad look, if I'm honest. Like, Marquise Brown is still fairly young in his NFL career. He doesn't need to be starting to garner that reputation as being, like, a moaner. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I can see not, your face. Don't do it. It's not going to serve him well. But going back to the other point, do you need a different sort of receiver in addition to what you've got, that bigger guy on the outside, a bit more oh, of yeah, a classic X? Yeah, Um I would love... Like a Des Bryant. Well, we've got a Des Bryant on our practice squad. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, d- I don't know what's going on with Des Bryant. I, uh, I think he's on our practice squad until... Uh, inverted commas, until he... Uh, gets younger? Gets, gets sort of... Not gets younger, but... Gets, gets back up to speed. Back up to speed, you know. For example, just Gronk took, took a while to, like fully getting to speed and that was something that he, he said when he went into the yeah. initial training camp and we saw at the start of the season and now he's starting to sort of heat up as the season goes on and I think that's something similar anyone taking a long break from the game is going to need to time yeah, to exactly. sort of mm. it may also it may also just be that you've signed him as a COVID precaution kind of thing yeah. that you can have older players on the practice squad it may just be that that you're not anticipating him seeing the field unless absolutely necessary yeah I agree. I think just looking back at that that last play of the game really broke my heart because it was he got it down and had a shot at the end zone and Tony Romo was completely right when he said Lamar needed to sort of run around a bit and extend the play because they were sitting back in a deep zone obviously just waiting to for the end zone shot and he's he's got the legs he had time to sort of run around and wait for a receiver to get open. He threw a dime, like exactly where it needed to be to Willie Sneed. But like, if Minka Fitzpatrick is there just blasting him as soon as he touches the ball, then he's never going to yeah. catch that. Um, Steelers had a really good game, though, at the end of the day. Their, their defense is uh, one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league this year, I would say. Um, and I knew it was going to be a tough game. Uh, and the Steelers Ravens game, it never disappoints. There were people getting, everyone's getting each other's face all the time. Marcus Peters got into a, a bad one. Uh, Matt Judon got sent off for a very stupid foul. I never understand why this happens. Where, like you know, if you if you hit someone, you're going to be sent off. You're going to be ejected. What? Why risk it? Like in a game like that. At least it wasn't wins bad. Yeah, Which may be so the stupidest weird. thing I've ever seen. 
So oh, that was weird. hilarious, though. <laughs> There's so many great memes about that. It's just Gardner's um, reaction where he's literally like, what are you doing? He's <laughs> like, what? what's happening right now? And yeah. the thing that we initially thought was a, like, a little faint punch, he, w- he was just yanking his mouth guard out before he walloped him in the head. And also, if you want to hurt someone on the football field, stop punching them in the helmet. Yeah, it's literally like, yeah, he, he, yeah it's not going to work. You're just going to break you the got to do the AJ Green. Karma. AJ Green had a good technique. Um, grab the face mask around the helmet, rip it, sort of pull them by the face mask to the floor, and then dive on them. Just clarify, we don't endorse violence on the. Uh, but know, if you're gonna I do think, it, do I it think right. Joe does. He got really intense and like close to his big UFC there. fan. <laughs> All right. Uh, so back to the Steelers. Do we think that they're legitimate Super Bowl contenders? There was a lot of talk before these last two weeks that they hadn't played anyone good. They've now beaten the Titans and the Ravens in consecutive weeks. Is their offense good enough for a deep run? This, this is what I struggle with. Um, I mean, I think, I, I, I think yes. I think the, the the Steelers deserve a lot of respect. And hold my hands up, I was not someone that at the start of the season thought that they would be anywhere near as good as they have been. Um, I think their defense probably is the best in the league right now. Um, but it is an interesting question with their offense because they still don't have that number one guy. They've, they've basically built an offense of number two receivers um, with an aging quarterback. We know they don't really have anything past, you know, if Rothsberger goes down injured, which he's struggled to stay healthy the last few years, the run game can be a little bit iffy with James Conner. Doesn't, you know, he doesn't look as explosive as he did in, in his breakout year. Um, it's, it feels to me like quite a sort of middling offense. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Uh, I think Claypool can emerge as a number one receiver. I think he's 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 getting the targets um, as a man who owns Claypool on fantasy. He's <laughs> definitely getting the targets of a number one receiver. Uh, and obviously he's had a few breakout games. He had a bit of a, a stoinker the week beforehand. But um, I think Claypool can emerge as that that top receiver for the Steelers and, and we'll see how his growth goes on throughout the year. Juju is one of the most physical players on that team. Um, he was so fanta- think- he was fantastic in that game. The amount of times he was initially hit about three or four yards short of the sticks and just dragged defenders over the yardage line was incredible. Yeah, sneaky. Mm. He's he's sneaky physical. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not usually an attribute that is sneaky, but mm, yeah, it it's apt. Oh, one thing though, actually, now you mentioned. Um, Juju, I just thought of the matchup between Juju and Marlon that game. Great matchup, by the way, just to watch. And uh, Marlon is out with the Rona, which is a bit yeah. sad. Joe, that's the smuggest look look I've ever seen from someone when talking about someone having coronavirus. Well, I, this isn't smug. This is just my resting face of anguish. <laughs> um, no, nah, but in all seriousness, uh, I... D- I mean, I hope he hasn't passed it on to anyone. Except Juju. He, I did, he, he played every defensive snap of the Steelers-Ravens game. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think he's... Uh, please, yeah, I'm just please. panicking. I'm hyperventilating right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's, he's obviously going to be a, a big miss for two weeks. One of the best corners in the league. So that's, that's another stoinker for us. Yeah. Who have you got over the next two weeks that 
Like, will you be all right with that? Like, you still got Marcus Peters and Jimmy Smith. That Jimmy Smith, obviously, you don't want him on the outside the whole game, every game. But as cover, he's up there with some of the best in the league. Like, who else is that good at a replacement level? Yeah, it's you've a... got the Colts and then the Patriots. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't worry about yeah. it. I don't think they're Winnable much of a threat to outside yeah. receiver. It's an interesting one though because I feel like um, the the Peters and Humphrey corner dynamic. It's the, it's the same sort of thing that we've seen with Mammy have done with Byron Jones and Javen Howard. Like you've got one who's like a bullhawk who's going to give up a ton of yards, but going to get loads of interceptions and one who's like shut down. And I mean, from my experience of watching Miami this season, when Byron Jones has been out, it's not gone well um, because Javen Howard does tend to give up quite a few yards. So it'll be interesting to see how that secondary copes with losing that shutdown. But I think if you're going to lose one of them, You'd rather lose the one who, yeah, he might. He's going to get loads of turnovers, but also is more hitting, is less consistent in his coverage. I think you want, you know, Marlon Humphrey is obviously the top, the top corner in that in that uh, Baltimore secondary. Yeah, the, having Marcus Peters covering the top guy now is going to be, um, well, like we said, it's against the Colts, it's against against the Patriots, so I'm not too worried. But um, he did account for that. That that fumble or one turnover on the game, um, and yeah, like like you were saying, uh, he's he's a risk. If you if you give that sort of cushion where you want to you know jump in and intercept the ball against the top receivers in the league, then uh, that's where spells travel for us. Okay, so moving on from two great defenses to a team that Joe mentioned on earlier in the podcast is the Dallas Cowboys. And Matt, based on the pre-podcast planning session, you've got some strong feelings about Mike McCarthy that probably shared quite far. Yeah, I just... I don't see any sort of galvanising factors with, with the Cowboys. They just seem so flat right now. And for me, you know, the head coach sets the culture, right? And I, at the moment, I don't see there being any culture in Dallas. They're just losing games you know, not even showing that much of a fight in 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 a few instances. I mean, we, we talked about the... Andy Dalton gets absolutely blown up. And, uh, you know, Cowboys, you know, you, not, again, not that you want people fighting, but, you know, that's the time to go and, and start throwing haymakers. Show a bit of heart and, like, team yeah. spirit. Exactly. You know, you've got to have each other's backs on the field. And I think the Cowboys show that they don't seem like a unified sort of team at the moment and I think the buck when it comes to that has got to stop with 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 Mike McCarthy mm. um hasn't imprinted any sort of identity on this Cowboys team and they're floundering week on week I think he's got two things that could um, protect him from the firing one would be the sheer amount of injuries because he's he can quite easily and to some extent fair enough say look at all these injuries I've had to deal with what do, you expect, what do you expect to happen? I've got one O-lineman. I'm down to my third-string quarterback. And then the second one is that he's got Mike Nolan to be a scapegoat as a defensive coordinator. Because however good the offense was playing earlier in the season, and yeah, may have been in the second half of games, but the Cowboys haven't been able to stop anyone. And they haven't really been as injury-struck as the offense has been. Mm, big Tabasco. Throw, throw him under the bus. Um, on that note, though, uh, when the players are openly coming out and saying that they don't 
like the coaching. They don't feel like they're being coached. I think that's a, it's not a, a good sign look, of a bad head coach. And mm. I think, personally, I think Mike McCarthy was kind of in and over, over his head here. He was more, you know, when they were talking about the head coaching position in Dallas, going over to, to Jerry's house and, I hate to say it, but sort of playing, kissing up to to Jerry Jones rather than really estab- working on establishing a, a culture of winning. It felt like a strange hire at the time. I think we said this when it happened. It seemed like a bit of a okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I my predictions would be that Mike McCarthy goes at the end of this season. I think Mike Nolan goes somewhere between now and, and the end of the season. Don't don't hire a city councilman to uh, run defense. Yeah, and Jerry Jones has already said similar, or at least sparked in his typical Jerry Jones way, sparked those conversations on a bunch of local Dallas radios um, shows. That's a bad look as well. He, he really needs to can that. It? Every year. He, he's he, just he sacking that. If he's saying it at that, that point, you may as well just sack McCarthy. Exactly. Like, what, are you, what are you getting out of this season anyway? Sack him, actually start looking at um, head coaches that you could hire next year and be ahead in the process when it comes to interviews. Yeah, I just feel like those sort of things should be kept in-house. And, you know, what what good do you think is going to come with just sort of openly mm. flirting with the idea of getting rid of your head coach while you're trying to turn around a, a season that's plummeting? Like, that's what you're... The thing no is, do you, stock for. do you want to turn... What may happen is, do you want to turn around the season if you're the Cowboys? I was saying mm. this as an Eagles fan. I don't know if getting the playoffs is the best move this year because it means you're picking again in the 20-somethings. Whereas with the record they likely have, they'll probably be, if not in the top 10, around there. And you can make some big franchise-altering moves with those picks. So yeah, if you're the Cowboys, I think sneaking to playoffs is actually detrimental to the future. Exactly. Especially as we, I mean, it would be a monumental surprise if this didn't happen. But I think we widely assume that the NFC's candidate is going to be one and done in the playoffs, mm. whoever does get that spot. So like I said, is there any point when you could instead, you know, not tank, but mm. not also, try very hard to win? Yeah, because what's going to happen? We don't know what's going to happen with that next year. I think it's unlikely he's going to be back. I don't know if Jerry's going to pay him as much as he wants, especially coming off an injury. And he can make big money somewhere else. So are they going to be in the market for a quarterback next year? Trey Lance. Trey Lance, Justin Fields. I don't think they'll... I mean, I'd be surprised if they got a pick high enough to be able to get Trevor Lawrence. Uh, but... I really don't think they should get Justin Fields. I think that'd be a very... It's looked much better city. this year, like as a mm. passer. I just don't trust Ohio State quarterbacks. Well, that's, that's your yeah, own but, prejudice, but Joe. That, that, that's, that. Yeah, that's a ridiculous prejudice because what would you have said about LSU um, quarterbacks for Joe Burrow? Jamarcus, yeah, and Penn State Jim, running backs before Saquon Barkley. Yeah, oh, look how bad Jamarcus Russell and Zach Mettenberger are. That must mean that Joe Burrow is also going to be a flop. He was LSU and Ohio State. Yeah. And he's balling. Um, yeah, maybe it's the best of both worlds. Don't know. <laughs> well, merge the bad history and you become one great prospect. Two wrongs make a right. Exactly. So moving on, as we're recording now, tra- trade deadline has just passed, and boy, was it disappointing! I think yeah. the biggest move of the day was De- Desmond King going to the Titans. Pretty good move that, but any other moves catch your eye? No, not really. I'd be hard pressed to say they did. I mean, obviously, 
you know, with these sort of things, that, with the, the moves that did happen, the ones that I pay attention to were obviously Miami ones because there weren't any, as we said, there weren't any big moves. So obviously you're going to look at your own team's minor dealings. Getting rid of Isaiah Ford to the Patriots was a strange one for me. Uh, I know he's been stuck on the depth, down on the depth chart, but it didn't really seem like a sensible move for me to party. I don't think because Isaiah Ford is going to go to the Patriots and instantly elevate their wide receiver core. And also picking up DeAndre Washington from the Chiefs. Again, we've already got a really crowded backfield. Jordan Howard's been a healthy scratch for the last few weeks. So, That's his Gaskin thing though, isn't it? But he's got an MCL strain, apparently out for three weeks. So what did he give up for DeAndre Washington? Uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head. I think it was a late run pick. So, yeah, is that worth it just to keep going? Like, you think you're in contention True. now. And you may... True. The Isaiah Ford, I can't get my head around as from, from a Patriots point of view. Because mm. I don't understand what they're going for now. Are they... Because Bill's basically been saying, yeah, our roster isn't good enough. We, we're strung up on the salary cap. And then they've been shipping Gilmore, which suggests they think the season's done. Yeah. And then they're going after going getting forward. Like, I don't understand that. He's, he's not going to turn your season around enough that he's going to make your team competitive. That, yeah, that's why I thought it was a weird move. I think because, you know, as I said, Ford hasn't seen a lot of game time in Miami. He's been stuck on the, down on the depth chart. Um, he's flashed at times. He's made a few decent plays. And I know that there's been a lot of hype around him, sort of preseason, uh, et cetera, et cetera, which hasn't really materialised. So... In a way, I'm a little bit disappointed to get rid of him, but at the same time, I'm fully aware we didn't play him. And then the flip side of that, obviously, from the Patriots is he's not getting played in the Miami wide receiver core. What sort of impact do you think he's going to have for your wide receiver core? Do you know what I mean? Like, he's yeah. still pretty unproven. Um, yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a weird one. It almost feels a bit like a lose-lose. But, you know, maybe a change of scenery and you know, Isaiah Ford becomes the next big thing at wide receiver. Who knows? Do you know what they gave up for Isaiah Ford? A seventh. Seventh. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's fine. Exactly. It's nothing really. Well, uh, it's, I, when they're shipping Gilmore, I don't understand why you don't ship like a Joe Tooney as well because he's playing on a franchise tag now. As we said, we're not competing. You probably get quite a bit from yeah. a team that is competitive and is just down in interior alignment. They're not. They don't grow on trees, you know. <laughs> I want. I wonder what the price tag on Gilmore was, really. The first and, and a player, apparently. But even if you did that, I think that would be a ridiculous move because the whole, the whole New England defense probably would have been, you know, um, rioted. To be honest, he's he's like a captain on that defense. He's he's a very experienced player. Yeah. Um, it would feel like a very unpatriots move to make, I think, in terms of you no, know, they like their veteran players, you know. Um, I mean, there must be some thought internally that he's slowing down or something because he's not even on a for a number one corner. He's not exactly on a lot of money next year. Well, then I guess you, you don't know whether there's noises about a new contract, etc. As well, if they're already up against the cap and Gilmore, you know, quite rightly deserves to be paid like the best quarter in the league because he is the best quarter in the league. You know, maybe that's the situation which they think could become untenable and they were looking to get, get good, rid of him now. Good value for him now. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it would have been a weird one, really. I, I can't really imagine what what that would have looked like. And I think, especially in this trade window, we've seen teams are pretty, 
not up for for making big splash trades etc with all the uncertainty around covid etc yeah do you think that's partially what it was with the 2021 like the salary cap people don't know what it's going to be yeah you don't want to get too many players on your team if you can't afford them it's too much uncertainty about you know the COVID stuff, as you said, this, we don't know what the salary cap's going to be. So do you, you know, do you end up in a situation where you trade for a player, test positive for COVID, so you can't you, you lose out on him for two weeks this season, and then you can't afford to pay him the money that he wants next season? Like that is a, that is a situation that, mm. with a you know a fairly decent chance of happening, mm. is it worth the risk or is it worth just consolidating this season? That it looks like the teams have opted for that. Are there any trades that you think? you know maybe we've missed an opportunity here anything that should have happened but probably didn't because of the reasons you've said John Ross to the 49ers would have been a good one mm. I reckon um, although I kind of understand why that wouldn't have happened now given uh, you know Kittle and Jimmy G's uh, injuries but I mean like we mentioned this I think last week as well but just John Ross in the Carl Shanahan offense where he just has that athletic potential and Carl Shanahan will find ways to get him open. That that would have been really exciting to see, I think. That was a bit of a shame. I just think, in general, leading up to the trade deadline with the Ngokwe trade, um, I thought that kind of spurred on like all these rumours about different trades going on. Um, it was a bit disappointing in the end. There's a lot of talk of Will Fuller to the Packers, apparently reports yeah. saying that there was disagreement within the Packers organization as in the personnel department of whether it would be a worthy investment. I mean, provided Fuller can stay healthy, which is a big if, mm. he would have given them a downfield threat that they probably quite need in Green Bay. His track record is that he can't stay healthy, though. Yeah. How's done this year? I know, but every other year. Mm. Every other year. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that, that would have been a, a cool trade to happen. It's a weird one with... Green Bay sort of wide receiver situation because they have a few like decent weapons that seem to just sort of get lost in the lost in the fuzz. Like Valdez Scantling will occasionally pop up and have a really big game, and then you won't see him again for three weeks. Like seems and quite... Lazard as well. And Lazard, yeah, exactly. I guess because they're very sort of similar players. Um, so it would have been cool to see Will Fuller maybe and entrench himself as that sort of deep threat. And, and hold that position down for that offense. But, you know, at the same time, Aaron Rodgers doesn't necessarily need that. Yeah, and they do like to put a, a running back on as a wide out, um, mm. the Packers as well, without Aaron Jones in there. Um, they, they had Williams out most of... Uh, but I think that's, that's more the flexibility to be able to move someone from the backfield to the wide out. You don't have someone wide out while also having a running back in the field backfield a lot of the time. No, I'm I'm just talking about like an empty set where they stick the running back out. Well, exactly. Wide. You still you still could utilize that extra receiver there. You still got three or four receivers on the pitch at that point. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Any other big trades? I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of chatter. Those were the main ones that were being talked about. Yeah, I mean, there were the main potentially there was scope for Cleveland to um, one sort of sort out its wide receiver is is sorry tight end situation mm. with obviously. We, Joku's been making a lot of noises about wanting out of there. Harrison Bryant looked good in in a, in a few situations this season, um, and I think what they really need is potentially with the OBJ news, another wide receiver, another decent short pair of short hands on the outside. Um, potentially, there could have been scope to do a deal there, but 
I don't know. It would would that make a huge difference to the? Wait, I don't know who they. Season. I don't know who they would have got that would have been a worthy replacement. Like Rashad Higgins looks good at replacement level. Like how much you willing to give up to bring someone in? If you're people's, if you've got people's Jones as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. People's like, Jones looked very serviceable last last week against. Um, not last week. Sorry, two weeks ago. Yeah. Did absolutely nothing last week, but. <laughs> Okay, so I think that wraps up. Uh, again, pretty underwhelming deadline day, but we'll be back next year. There'll be loads of fireworks. Joe promises. Oh, yeah. yeah. It will, we'll move up to spring. Before we get into the game of the week, let's talk last week's pickums, and it's got all very tight again. Matt's still in fourth place, but it's closer now than it has been in a while. How am I still in fourth place? This is bullshit. Mate, you've man. been in fourth place since about week two. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm bored of it. 74-43 and 1. Stan and Joe were tied in second. 75-42 and 1. And I'm one point clear. Only one point now. 76-41 and 1. So there are two two points between first and last. Yeah, you're feeling confident now, Matt? No, but the, yeah, you the, the renewed hope, I guess. <laughs> Going off what I said last week where I don't care, I suddenly care. Um... Oh, who did see that one coming? Wow, well, we were weird. I think I think I'm gonna win, big time. Um, in fact, I'll put a sandwich on it. Right oh wow! Now. Three sandwiches going off this the plate. This is the first sandwich bet we've had in a while. I know. Slew, Matt, and Stan, who isn't here, sandwich down. I'm winning this. So if you so, don't win so it, anyone you have to... but you wins. I get a yeah. sandwich. You yeah, I'll take I get a sandwich. sandwich. I'll take that yeah. absolutely. So basically, Joe's. We all have to buy Joe a sandwich. So Joe gets three sandwiches if he wins, and then has to or has to fork out three sandwiches if he doesn't yeah. win. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, hundred percent. You're gonna have to make so many delivery orders. Yeah, oh. I might get a percentage off delivery, but that's on a whole another note. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get delivery room my mind, so It's gonna have to be just eat, just to let you know. But there's no way just you get no. delivery. No, and I live in the middle of a fucking field. There's... That's a just no for both of you. Just no. <laughs> okay, so now into the dropback game of the week, which we slightly changed this time. We left it up to you guys to pick the game for us. And thank you so much for getting so involved. I was a bit worried that it was going to be four votes from us for making it look like we've done <laughs> it. But no, there's actually quite a lot of votes on this one. Nice. So the game chosen is the Seahawks at the Bills. This will be something we go do going forward now. So if you're not following us already, do it. The game of the week poll is available on our Instagram at the Dropback. Make sure you go follow that. So Seahawks at Bills should be a good game, or at least our listeners seem to think so. Mm. I think it could turn into a little bit of a shooty out out here. To be honest, um, that Seahawks secondary has been. Not good, but to counter it, the the Seahawks' offense has been great. Um, I think the Bills' secondary doesn't look like the same unit it did last year. I think last year we were quite impressed with the overall play. They seem a little bit, they seem to give up give up more chunk plays this season, um, which isn't good when you're facing Russell Russell Wilson in the sort of film that he's been in. Um, so yeah, I could genuinely see this being like a. a 38, 30 sort of effect, sort of which would be absolute box office. Facing yeah. the Seahawks defense is actually probably that the Bills 
need right now. They've been certainly less explosive over the last few weeks. So they'll look to be getting back on track. I think the biggest issue is that they haven't been able to generate any pressure. Mm. And to face Russell Wilson, if you can't pressure him, it's going to be next to impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree, to be honest. I think, you know, what we saw out of the Seahawks and Cardinals, that amazing game, um, we could see a similar thing here. Uh, I, I'm still impressed with Josh Allen. Uh, he's really evolved so much this year, and you can really see it. Um, Quandre Diggs tends to do this thing where he has one really good play and then just lets another one go. Uh, so that'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, I think it, I think it's it's a good chance to be a shootout. I think they'll both be in the um, in the thirties. And I don't know who I've got winning it. You know what? I'll, I'll go with the Hawks. You know, the safe option, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I, I I would lean towards the Hawks as well. And I think you made a good point there, Slew, about the Bills' lack of pass rush this season. And just going back for a second to the, the when we we're talking about the trades, that could have potentially been an area for them because that has been such a glaring weakness on their on their roster this season. There's been so had such a tough time trying to get pressure on the opposition quarterback and mm. you cannot give Russell Wilson time. Mm. Like he, he can make plays out of nothing. Even when he's got pressure on him, you give him a clean pocket. It's not going to be, you know, you're not going to get off the field. Um, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right as well. It, this is the sort of secondary the bills need to face to get that connection in the passing game up and running again. Cause it has gone flat the last couple of weeks. I do, however, think that Russell Wilson will, would, will win it as a shootout. Mm. Do you it's reckon p- potentially, sorry, Slew, that the Seahawks will go away in a sense from the let Russ Cooks because um, and kind of lean on that rushing attack a bit more this week in particular, given that the Bills are so, um, you know, Porous. we saw them struggle against the Jets rushing attack in, in the first half of that Packers-esque game the other week. Yes, I, w- I would. <laughs> Packers-esque is a, is a perfect uh, analogy there. But yeah, we, we could potentially see that as well on, on the other side. But I would say yes, but it doesn't look like the Seahawks have any healthy running back. So I was just going to say, it, yeah, it'd exactly. be a tricky move. I mean, unless you really believe in DJ Dallas, who looks all right, but yeah, he's but not a bell cow. Win. Me, Ryan, and Frank Gore looked pretty darn good hey, hey, in the hey. first half. Frank Gore is proven time and time and time and Doesn't time teach. and time and time, time again <laughs> that that he can get a job, get the job done. And hey, P, P Ryan's a is it P Ryan? Yeah, yeah, Samaj P Ryan. No, Samaj P Ryan. Someone Samaj else. Samaj P Ryan. It's it still... a different P Ryan. Ben, is oh, it wow. Bernard P? Something beginning with a B P Ryan. But it's still P Ryan. That's why, because you say P Ryan, I think Samaj because yeah, he seems so... to have been around forever and been on like twenty different teams. He's a big boy. Never really gets any touches. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So you talk about the taking Russ away from the stove for one game thing, based on matchups rather than going forward into the just season. stick something in the microwave. Just give give Russ a night off. <laughs> Order order on just no and uh, give yeah. Dallas 30 touches. See what happens. Mm. But realistically, yeah, they won't do that because they why like, would like, why would you? And as Lou said, they have one running back who's not dead. So 
again, against the secondary that's not looked particularly great and a favourable pass rush matchup. So just keep throwing the ball. Oh, just do it. Based on, that, based on that pass um, rush, just seen the Titans have relieved Vic Beasley. I mean, Ooh. he's been inconsistent, but he has proved that on occasion he can get to the rusher. Is that someone the Bills should be looking at? Even as yes. a rotational piece? In short, yeah. yes. I think even an inconsistent Vic Beasley is better than what they currently have. And if you can pick him up for the rest of the year, then what really do you have to lose? Like exactly, uh, worst case scenario, he's not gonna not gonna get much in the rotation. But if he can get you a sack or two in in a few games, then I think worst case scenario, he sees someone poke his teammate in the face, and so naturally the only response to that is to then clobber them. And, and clobber is exactly the right term. It's clobbering time. It is, and clobbering time now means we need to get Joe away from a microphone before it gets a bit too rowdy. So that is the end of today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you check out all of our socials on Instagram and Twitter at The Dropback, on Facebook at The Dropback UK. Find our website, which is www.thedropback.com or .co.uk. And thank you so much again for listening. I've been Sam. I've been Matt. I've been Joe. And until next time, goodbye. The Drop Back with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns Peak, Joe Costanzo, and Sam Wilson. Working life is so bloody hard. You're like tired in the evenings. Can't even play video games during the day.